Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Genesis chapter 49, Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 9, Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 9, Judah, thou art he who, whom thy brother, whom thy brethren shall praise, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, thy father's children shall bow down before thee, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. Amen. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the hearing of your word because we have read and heard. Our eyes, our ears are blessed. Father, We pray that your word will speak to your people tonight. I pray you touch my mind and my mouth. Give me understanding and utterance. And Father, we will not fail to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. You may be seated. There was fire in the choir tonight. Great job from the choir. Amen. How many believes God is fighting for us? Amen. I talked about it a little bit this morning, the story of David and Goliath. We often, we often call it that. We often call it David versus Goliath or the story of God or the story of David and Goliath. The reality is, is as I mentioned this morning, that the text says in, in 1 Samuel 17 that the battle is not mine but the Lord's. So the real story is not a story of David versus Goliath. It's a story of God versus Goliath. God's always going to win all of his battles, even if I'm right in the middle of it. Amen. Two things I missed this week preaching is my glasses, which I forgot at home. And uh, I forgot to bring a Bible with me in terms of of a physical Bible. Of course, I have all kinds of Bibles on my iPad. But I love to bring my Bible with me to the pulpit, and I forgot both of those as we were leaving town. But it's been an honor to be here and to be with this church this week and to make your pastor and his family's acquaintance. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Man, how many knows tonight that we have an adversary? He said, be sober, be be vigilant because your adversary, you personally as an individual have an adversary. The devil is against you. The devil is going to try everything in his power to destroy you and to devour you. He is as a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I like the point growing up in an evangelist pastor and an evangelist home that my dad made from this text, and it is a... um, uh, a little bit of a nuance on a, one particular word that I love the way he preached it. He said when he was in school, he said when he was in school as a little boy, he didn't raise his hand and ask the teacher, can I go to the bathroom? The question was, may I go to the bathroom? Of course you can. You got two legs and two feet. You know exactly how to get there, so you can go to the bathroom. But just because you can doesn't mean you may. (laughs) And so the question was, may I go to the bathroom? And in this text, the Bible says that the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. 
not who he can devour. Hallelujah. The devil's got to get permission before he can devour us. But he is going to try. He will try everything in his power. Every one of us in this room tonight, from the youngest to the oldest, is the target of this lion-like enemy. From the moment you were born, he began observing and stalking you. He has studied your behaviors and your habits. Amen. When he begins to tempt you later in life, he has data on you from every day that you have lived. He knows as much about you as is possible based upon your words, your actions, and the places that you have gone. He knows your weaknesses and your strength. He knows what and at what times you are the most vulnerable. He knows what will keep you from attending church, from praying, from fasting, and from reading the word of God. And he is going to use every bit of the data that he has access to and the power he has to destroy and to devour you. Amen. So the question tonight is what hope do we have against this lion-like enemy? And, and this is the title to my sermon, which is the answer to our lion-like adversary. And that is, there is a lion in you. <laughs> what is this lion's name? Genesis chapter 49 Jacob was giving to his sons their prophetic destinies. And he said to Jacob, or to Judah, I'm sorry, that Judah is a lion's whelp. And of course, he goes in the text from being a lion's whelp, which is a small lion, to being a lion, to being an old lion. So the lion is Judah. The name Judah, as all of you in this room probably could say to me before I even say it, that the name Judah means praise. It means celebrated. It means to revere or to worship. It is translated a number of ways in the King James. It is translated as praise, as thankful, thanks, or thanksgiving. And in the following verses, there are some examples of how Judah is used in Scripture. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 8 translates it, as thanks. It says, oh, give thanks or Judah unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Again, in Psalm 136 verses 1 through 3, oh, give thanks or Judah unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give Judah or thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. It's translated thankful in Psalm 100 and verse number 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. It's translated thanksgiving in Nehemiah 12 and verse number 46. For in the days of David and Asaph of old there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and of thanksgiving unto God. Second Chronicles 7 and verse number 3 translates it as praise. And when all the children saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces upon the uh, to the ground upon the pavement and they worshiped and they judahed. They praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Psalm 42 and verse number five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And my personal favorite, Psalm 107, 8, 15, 21, and 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works unto the children of men in the above text, the 
the reoccurring theme about praise is the perpetual goodness and the mercy of God. Praise is not based on how we feel. Praise is not based upon our circumstances. Praise is not based upon how our day, our week, or even our year has gone. Praise is based upon one thing and one thing alone, that God is good and his mercy is forever. And that is the basis of praise. And because that is the basis of praise, that means that praise is something that you can do any time of the day or night. Because if you were basing praise on your circumstances, there would be some moments that God would not be worthy of your praise. But because praise is based upon the goodness and the mercy of God, there is not a day or a moment in your life when God is not worthy of your praise. No wonder Psalm 34 said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Is there anybody in the room tonight that's got a praise for God? There was a tremendous circumstance under which the psalmist David wrote the phrase, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. The circumstance was for David who was Incidentally, from the tribe of Judah, when he wrote in this psalm, it was that situation when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, Psalm 34 and verse number one. The account of David's predicament is found in 1 Samuel 21 as he was fleeing from a savage Saul. David came to Nob to Abimelech the priest or Ahimelech the priest in 21 and verse number one and asked him for a weapon in verse number eight. Ahimelech said that the only sword that they had available was the sword of Goliath the Philistine in verse number nine. And of course, as soon as David heard that, David's ears perked up for he had taken that very sword from Goliath when he killed him and chopped off his head. And he had personal experience. He had personal relationship with that sword and said, give it to me for there is none like it. There was none like it for a number of different reasons. There was none like that sword because possibly up to that point in David's life it was the greatest victory that God had ever had given to him. And so there was none like it for that reason. No doubt because of how big and how powerful Goliath was the sword was also something to behold. So just as far as swords were concerned there was none like it. The Bible then says something incredible that after David got the sword of Goliath of Gath, that David arose, verse number 10, and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. He's got, David, he's got Goliath's sword, the champion of Gath. And he's fixing ahead to go visit with the king of Gath. Remember, Goliath was their champion. Now give the picture. David had killed Goliath of Gath and took his sword, which he had now reclaimed, and was taking that sword to visit Goliath's king. All I can say right here is brave move, praiser. Bold move, praiser. And when David arrived at the servants of the servants of Achish said unto him, Is this not David, king of the land? And did not they sing one to another of him and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And I want to ask the question here: how in the world 
Did they have any kind of clue that it was David that was in their midst? They were saying it as a question. Is this not David? Whatever could have given them the idea. I think, I think, brothers and sisters, that those men of Gath, those soldiers and servants of Achish had to know that the only man brave enough to walk up in here with Goliath's sword is the one that took it from him in the first place and so they said if anybody's crazy enough to do this this has got to be David and when David heard them throwing his name around the Bible says he got worried and he knew that his cover was about to be about to be blown and so David realized that he was in a crazy situation he was in a difficult situation and he knew that if something didn't change quick he was about to be a dead man and so David of Judah the Bible said changed his behavior before the people David the praiser had a revelation that if you're going into a situation and you're going through a situation that's that bad that's that desperate at some point you got you can't keep acting like you've always acted at some point you got to change your behavior if you're going to change your situation you got to change your behavior if you're going to change your situation what kind of behavior did David assume in the situation the Bible says he feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate not to be confused with the modern board game or the similar app called Word, words with friends when he scrabbled on the gate he was not playing a word game <coughs> the bible said that he let spittle fall down upon his beard and here's where it gets fun for me. The word mad in 1 Samuel 21 and 13 is the word halal. It's one of the seven Hebrew words for praise. And one of the definitions of halal means to be clamorously foolish. Now back to David's psalm where he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Notice what he said. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall shall make her halal. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It's not incidental that David wrote a song about his situation and said, I had to halal in that situation. And now my soul, now that I'm looking back on it, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to halal. It's going to boast in the Lord. <laughs> to be calamorously foolish. He said, you get in a situation sometimes that's so bad that the level of your praise has to match the level of your situation. And the desperation of your praise has to match the desperation of your situation. And when you are in a crazy problem, you got to give God a crazy praise. Sometimes you just got to elevate the praise in your life. Come on, I wonder right now if you had to praise God to the level of your situation to get out of it. What kind of praise would you have to give God in this room right now for God to bring you out of your situation? Woo! But David here is saying... I had to get crazy in the situation. But now that I'm looking back on what God brought me out of, I'm not going to let my praise go down just because he brought me out. Now that I'm thinking back on what he did for me, I'm going to give God another praise right now to thank him for what he has done for me in my life. Is there anybody in the room tonight that God has ever brought you out? Is there anybody in the room tonight that God has ever delivered you? from a situation if he has then you ought to give him a praise right now to let him know how thankful you are for what he has done in your life oh hallelujah hallelujah 
How was Judah born? In what situation was it that Judah was born? What were the circumstances under which praise was produced? We find the story in Genesis chapter 29. And I'm going to try to go through it as quickly as I can. That Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one, the elder, was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah and Rachel were constantly at war with one another. Rachel described it this way in Genesis 30 and verse 8. With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister. Rachel wanted what Leah had, which was to be fruitful and to have children. But Leah wanted what Rachel had, which was Jacob's love. The Bible says that Leah was tender-eyed. I have no idea exactly what tender-eyed means, but whatever it is, it's the opposite of beautiful and well-favored, which Rachel was. And the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob made a series of mistakes in this story. The first mistake that Jacob made was he married more than one woman at the same time. The second mistake he made was he married sisters. <coughs> you know sisters fight over silly stuff. Like whose turn is it in the bathroom? And whose turn is it to wear those clothes or this color? You know good and well if they're fighting over that stuff, they're going to be fighting over the same man. He loved Rachel more than Leah, and the poor fool let him know that he loved Rachel more than Leah. And you can imagine how that would have went over. And he said, amen, to his father-in-law Laban, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. I tell you what, if boys had to do that these days, there'd be a whole lot less marriage going on in the world <coughs> than what there is. But in our defense, we might have to, have to work seven years to get them, but we have to work the rest of our lives to keep them. Ain't they right? Amen. And Laban said, it is better that I should give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served him seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had for her. There is a lesson in here. If there are any young ladies in this room that are not married, you judge a man's love for you by his attitude toward work than words. Make him flatter you with a job and not just his jaw. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. I am persuaded that this verse is the point in history where all of the animosity between in-laws got started. The Bible says it came to pass in the morning that Instead of Rachel, behold, it was Leah. And the first thing I thought of when I read this verse was, thank God for electricity. Because <laughs> if he had had some lights in that tent, it wouldn't have took until morning to figure out <clears throat> that the wrong girl was in the tent. I'm still not sure I buy. He didn't know it until the sun come up. Well, glory. <clears throat> and he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. And if I would have been Jacob, I would have said, Don't you think seven years ago would have been a nice time to mention that little detail? He said, Work for me another seven years and and you can have her too. And of course, 
Jacob did that, did that. He worked again seven more years to get the wife that he thought he was getting in the first place. And the Bible said that Laban gave Rachel his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaiden, his handmaid to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel and loved Rachel also more than Leah and served with him seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. You see, Leah was hated, but she was fruitful. She was fruitful in spite of being hated. But Rachel was barren. Rachel was loved, but barren. Leah conceived again and bare a son. And she called his name Reuben and said, For surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. She had her first son because she was hated. Now she named her second son because she was afflicted the focus of every son that she had every child that she had was because of her hatred or the hated situation the afflicted situation in which she was and when she had this son she said now therefore will my husband love me another little piece of advice for the young ladies in the room that are unmarried is if that man doesn't love you before he has your baby before you have his baby he is not going to love you after you have his baby and she conceived again and bare a son and said because the Lord hath heard that I was hated he hath therefore given me this son also and she, and she named him Simeon she continues to name every child every son because everybody hates me as we would say in Louisiana nobody loves me so I'm going to eat some worms I'm not sure why you would eat worms because other people hate you. I'm, I do not know what kind of sense that made, but we, we said it anyway. And the Bible said that she conceived again and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, she called his name Levi and the Bible said and she conceived again you've got to love this story you've got to love the way this unfolds she's hated she aff she's afflicted nobody likes her nobody loves her she has problems with her sister her husband doesn't love her but in the middle of all of that guess what she just keeps on conceiving she just keeps on being fruitful she just keeps on bringing forth there's a message in the middle of this and you've got the favor of God on your life they can hate you if they want to but in the middle of being hated you can still be fruitful you can still produce you can still be fruitful in the kingdom of God finally the Bible says that she had a son and she called his name Judah And left off bearing. And the Bible says she called his name Judah. And she praised the Lord. Why the shift? Every other son was I'm hated. I'm afflicted. Nobody loves me. Why all of a sudden does she name one praise? Because maybe, just maybe, Leah reached the point where she said, Jacob's never going to love me. My sister's never going to like me. And she came to the point where she said, I'm tired of being frustrated about what I do not have. And so I'm just going to learn how to praise God for what I do have. Even though they don't love me, I'm still being fruitful. And I'm going to praise God for what he has given me. And I'm going to stop being depressed over what, I, what it is that I do not have in my life. Brothers and sisters, Judah was born in the midst of opposition, adversity, and hatred. Brothers and sisters, trouble is not the burial place of praise. It is the birthplace of praise. It ought to be in your opposition, in your greatest trial, in your greatest struggle that gives birth to praise and worship in your life. 
Hallelujah. Who is Judah? Judah is every worshiper. If you are a worshiper here tonight, then you have a lion in you because Judah is a lion's whelp. Amen. If you are here today, amen. You ought to have a praise in you. You ought to have something on the inside of you, amen, that's stronger than the adversary, stronger than the opposition that is in your life. How does this lion behave? How does Judah behave? I tell you how Judah behaves. Judah loves to play music. Psalm 33 and verse 2, praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and the instrument of ten strings. Psalm 149 and verse number 3, let them praise his name. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and with the harp. Judah also likes to play the organs. 150 and verse 4, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. How many thankful that you go to a church that's got good music? Are you thankful that you go to a church that's just got music? Because <clears throat> not every church has music, much less good music. Some churches don't even believe in music. But aren't you glad that you got a church that believes in worshiping God with music? Judah also plays on loud and high-sounding cymbals, and all the drummers in the house say, yeah. And it does say loud cymbals. Just in case some of you don't look like how loud the drummer plays. The book does say loud-sounding cymbals. I thank God for good worship, good music, good singing. There's just something about it when you've had a bad day, when you, ha you have had a terrible week perhaps, and especially if you miss midweek Bible class for whatever reason, and when you walk in the house of God after the devil has been on your trail all week long and you step into a service and the music of the house of the Lord begins to play, the songs of Zion, the songs of faith begin to play in the house of the Lord, there's just something about it that turn something over on the inside of you that makes you feel better before you leave the house of God. But Judah's more than the music. At some point, it's got to get out of the music and it's got to get in the musician. <coughs> it's got to go beyond the instrument and it's got to get in the individual because look what else praise does. Psalm 34 and verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. Psalm 40 and 3, he had put a new song where? In my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And the Bible says in Psalm 109 and 30, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. Is there anybody in the room tonight that's got a praise in your mouth? Come on, if you got a praise in your mouth, you ought to give it to the Lord right now. I'm not talking about praise on a keyboard. I'm not talking about praise on a guitar. I'm talking about praise in your mouth. Come on, do you got a praise in your spirit? Is there a hallelujah? Is there a thank you, Jesus? But not only ought there to be a praise in your mouth, there ought to be a praise in your hands. Psalm 47, 1. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord, all your people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We read it this morning. Luke 6, 23 says that you ought to leap for joy. <laughs> Not only ought there to be a praise in your mouth, not only ought there to be a praise in your hands, but you ought to have a praise in your legs. Not only in your legs, but Psalm 149 and 3 said, let them praise his name in a dance. 
You ought to have a dance in your feet. You ought to have a praise in your feet. Dancing isn't just for the club. Dancing isn't just for a concert. Amen. For Michael Jackson to moonwalk across the stage. No. They stole all that stuff from the people of God. Praise belongs to us. Dancing belongs to us. Worship belongs to us. Clapping belongs to us. That's ours. So the praise starts. You ought to have a praise in your mouth. It ends with you ought to have a praise in your feet. Ah. So in other words, there ought to be a praise in you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. There ought not be a bone in your body that don't know how to give God some praise and some glory. You might not be able to do the funky chicken. The Macarena, <laughs> the two-step, the sprinkler, the mashed potato, the twist, or drop it like it's hot. Please don't. <coughs> but if all you can muster up is just a shift from one foot to the other, just put your weight on one foot and then put your weight on the other foot. And if you can't even manage to do that, I think almost everybody in this room can manage to pat your foot on the floor. If God has been good to you, everybody ought to be able to give God a praise, to give God some glory. Come on, tell me God's been good enough that he deserves your praise, deserves your worship. Ha. And just in case you're wondering, this is what praise looks like from the back. Because that's the only view of my praise the devil ever gets to see. Because when I'm worshiping God, there is nothing between me and God. The only view of my praise that the devil ever gets to see is the rear view of my praise. Woo, hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? Do you love him tonight? The characteristics of a lion is that they are the strongest among beasts and turneth not away for any. What is the number one, you think, the number one thing that lions do? What's the number one characteristic of a lion? Roar. Did I hear somebody say roar? You're right. When we think of a lion, we think of roaring. We think of the roaring of a lion. Can anybody tell me, why does a lion roar? Anybody else? Why does a lion roar? Dominance. I got a deep revelation for you tonight. You ready for this? It's deep. <coughs> you might want to get your pen and paper out and write this down. This is going to be deep. You know why lions roar? Because they're not dogs. Dogs bark. Because they're not pigs. Pigs oink. They're not birds. Birds chirp. They're not cats. Cats meow. All right, here's the point. The reason why lions roar is because they're lions. And it's just what lions do. Somebody said, why do you Pentecostals praise? Why do you guys always shout? Why are you always yelling, raising your voice, singing a song? We don't have to have a reason. It's just what we do. It's who we are. We praise just because there is a lion in us. The reason why there's a voice, the reason why there's a roar in us is because there is a praise in us. And my praise, brothers and sisters, is a lion. There are, all, uh, there are all kinds of animals that the Bible compares us to. When it comes to pastoral leadership, we are sheep. We're followers. Jesus said when it comes to evangelism, again, you go out as sheep among wolves. Be harmless as doves during evangelism. Harmless as doves. Wise as serpents. 
Hallelujah. When it comes to pastoral leadership, we are lambs. We are sheep. When it comes to evangelism, again, we are sheep and we are doves. Those are, those are things that are not very ferocious. They are not very mean. But brothers and sisters, when it comes to your praise, when it comes to your worship, your praise is not a lamb. Your praise is not a dove. Your worship is not a serpent. Your praise is a lion. When it comes time for your praise, brothers and sisters, your praise is a lion. Come on, lions and lionesses. Are there any roars in the house tonight? Come on, you're not a lamb. You're a lion. I said your praise is not a lamb. It's a lion. And the reason why you roar is just who you are. It's a part of your DNA. It's what you were born and created to do. Woo, hallelujah. Lions also roar to declare territorial rights. Lions roar to say this area, this region belongs to me. And if you're going to come take this territory, then you have to come through me. Lions roar. Amen. To let everything in the jungle know that this area belongs to me. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if there are any lions in the house tonight that wants to let the devil know that Medora belongs to you. It does not belong to the devil. It does not belong to the enemy. It does not belong to this world. Are there any roars in the house that wants to mark your territory and let the devil know that this year is a year of revival. This year is a year of conquering. We are roaring to let the devil know that the territory where we are belongs to us. The lion also roars according to Amos 3 and verse 4. When he has taken prey, will a lion roar in the forest when he has taken no prey? The obvious answer is no. Will a young lion cry out in his den? If he hath taken nothing, a lion roars when he has conquered an enemy. When he has taken prey, he will roar. I love the way Genesis 49 says it. When praise started out, praise was a baby. It was a lion's whelp. Then it became a lion. Then it became an old lion. Not one that's decrepit, not one that can't move or fight, but a mature lion, a full-grown lion. Uh, how do you get from a baby lion to a grown lion? How do you get from a lion's whelp to an old lion? It's got to eat to grow. And it roars when it, when it eats. Brothers and sisters, don't ever criticize somebody's praise because you never know what it had to devour in order to roar like that. You don't know. You don't know what they had to survive to be able to roar like that. And so if God's ever allowed you to conquer any prey in your life, don't be ashamed of your roar. You need to give God some praise and some glory for what he has done in your life. Their roaring shall be like a lion, Isaiah 5, 29 says. They shall roar like young lions. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safe and none shall deliver. The reason why, another reason why lions roar is to rally the pride. And I love this one. The lion is the most social cat of the big cats. They run together in a pack called a pride. Praisers, brothers and sisters, do not run alone. Praisers are not loners. Somebody said, I can just stay at home 
and worship just as good as I can at church. Not if you're a lion. Because a lion don't like to run by itself. A lion wants to run with the pride. A lion wants to be connected with other lions that are just like him. No wonder he said, come magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Is there anybody in the room tonight that glad that's glad you belong to this pride? Are you glad that you belong to a pride of praisers, a church of people that know how to worship God, amen, that know how to give God praise and glory. According to zoologists, every lion, like the human fingerprint, every lion has its own unique roar. No two lions roar alike. Brothers and sisters, what that means is, can nobody give God your praise but you? I said, can nobody give God your praise but you? Your praise is unique to you. Your praise is formed by what you've been through, what you've survived, the struggle that you overcome. Nobody can give God your praise but you. And your pride needs you present. In the pride, every pride has an alpha lion in every pride. It is the the lion of the tribe. I think you already know where I'm going with this right now. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there is a roar. (laughs) There is a roar of victory in the lion of the tribe. Amen. That's letting every kingdom of this world know that it will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Can I tell you that the lion of the tribe of Judah has a roar of victory in his throat right now. And what happens in the pride, get this, what happens in the pride is when they are on the hunt, when they are conquering, when they are running together, the lion of the tribe, the chief lion will roar and then will wait until every lion in the pride roars back. And because every roar is unique, the lion of the pride knows by the roar Every lion in the pride by its roar is letting the lion of the tribe know that no other lion from another tribe got me. I'm not lost. I haven't been devoured. That my roar says, I'm still here. My roar says, I'm still in the hunt. I'm still with the pride. If you shouldn't praise, if you ought to praise God, amen, for any reason, there ought to be a roar to let the lion of the tribe of Judah know that I'm still here. I didn't leave the church. Nothing took me away. I'm here to praise to let God know that out of all the things that I've been through, I'm still in the church. I'm still here. Amen to give God praise and glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When does a lion roar? Among the other times that a lion roars, a lion will roar at night. A lion roars at night. He doesn't lose his courage because it gets dark. He's just as much of a lion in the nighttime as he is in the daytime. Brothers and sisters, when you are a when you have a praise in you, when you have that lion called praise in you, it doesn't stop roaring just because things get dark in your life. Amen. That lion is going to roar in you no matter what season of life it is that you are in. And one final question tonight before I'm done is where does a lion roar? Where does a lion roar? Well, may I suggest to you tonight that because he is a lion, he can roar wherever in the world he wants to. 
what rabbit is going to come up behind a lion and tap him on his leg and say, excuse me, Mr. Lion, could you quit roaring in my forest? What gazelle is going to come up to the lion and say, excuse me, Mr. Lion, could you please tone it down just a little bit and quit roaring in my forest? No, because anything that attempts to stop the lion from roaring will be devoured, will be destroyed. Anything that tries to stop your praise is not your friend. It is your enemy. Anything that tries to stop you from giving God praise and glory, amen, is pray. It is not your friend. A lion will praise God absolutely anywhere it wants to. It will roar absolutely anywhere it wants to. This means that while you're driving down the road, some of my greatest praise breaks I've been driving down the road doing about 90 miles an hour. <coughs> Oops. The closest I was coming to the speed limit was when I passed that little sign on the side of the road. <coughs> Sorry, sir. I was just praising God and my foot got stuck on the gas. I promise you I saw my dad get out of a ticket one time in Dallas, Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas. Because he was speeding really fast and we were, having our, we were having our family prayer that morning on the way out of town. And when the cop came up and said, sir, you, you're in a hurry? He said, I was just praying with my family this morning on the way out of town. We were having family prayer in the vehicle. And that cop looked at my dad and said, well, just be careful, sir, and have a good day. If you got to on your job, sneak off for a bathroom break and get in the stall and close the door and give God some praise. Can I tell you a line of praise God absolutely anywhere it wants to? I wonder, is there anybody in the house that will learn how to say, I'm not just going to praise God when I'm in the four walls of the church. I'm going to take my praise with me. I'm going to learn how to give God praise in the privacy of my home. I'm going to learn how to give God praise when I'm driving down the road. I'm going to learn how to give God praise when I'm washing the dishes, when I'm mowing the yard. You are a lion and you have the right to roar wherever it is that you want to roar. Can you give him praise one more time in this house? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, has God been good to you? Has God brought you through any situations in your life? Are you believing God for victory in 2020? Are you believing God for good things in your life? If you are, you ought to give God some praise right now. Come on, I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you are facing some adversity. Why don't you try to give God some praise tonight before you leave this room and watch God work? Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.